Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. This week's episode is brought to you by the norovirus. <laughs> There's a lot, guys. I'm just not myself today in any way, shape or form. We've all got a cold. It's that time of year where you want to be your best self, but... I'm recovering from a virus. But I'm dedicated to bringing the people the content. I'm so not, I'll come into I'm the not. office. I just need to make a disclaimer that I'm being forced to do this. <laughs> I don't want to do it anymore. I don't want to try and pretend to be influencer. I'm sick and tired of it. It's actually really hard to bring overrated and underrated, number one. Number two, I'm not that deep. I need, you know, I don't have any more left inside me. I've given you all that I've got. I can't give any more. I'm I'm finished. I just need to resign now. But they won't let me resign. Resign, you know. But uh, I don't really like to share any more of my life. I've shared a lot now. And I just need to also make um, a disclaimer that our opinions aren't gospel. You can disregard them, ignore them, <laughs> tell them us they're trash. You know, it's just us sharing our little two cents. Um, and, you know, I try to make sure that I'm not wasting your time. But sometimes it's hard. Um, and I hope Allah forgives me and just tries to recognise that I'm trying to do the best of my life for everybody, inshallah. Okay, salam alaikum everybody. Welcome to the last episode of Overrated Underrated for 2018. Woohoo! Sorry about anyone that might hurt your ears. <laughs> it's been quite a year, hasn't it, guys? SubhanAllah. When did we start the podcast? We started, well... When you started, Sarah? We got about nine episodes up, and we got a lot of new things coming in 2019, inshallah. So this in is gonna inshallah. so many things. This is gonna be a sentimental. Too many things. All the things. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. This is gonna be a sentimental farewell to overrated, underrated. New conversations, Correct. new people. Because we're bored of our voices. Correct. And I think you're bored of us as well. If you um, if you do have any recommendations on who you really want to hear from on the podcast. Um, it doesn't have to be a specific topic. It can be. Please do let us know. Contribute at Malia.com or DM us on Instagram or tweet us or just, you know, get in touch some way mm. and just tell us what you want to hear. We're open to all ideas. So do get in touch. Nafi, you snaked us a little bit last week, didn't you? you? Didn't it? She went and talked about marriage. <laughs> Listen, guys. Shout out to Omar. Omar Chowdhury. <laughs> guys, yeah. there's some Christmas songs in the background. We'll Please ignore them. Yeah, I was on Omar <clears throat> Chowdhury's podcast last week or yeah. before it was good i enjoyed it thanks babe That's right. i was quite uncomfortable <laughs> not because of him no no <laughs> not because of omar he's a brilliant host mashallah. he is mashallah. um just it's someone else's territory isn't it mm. and i can't be like oh can you edit that in the editing i can't like, be like oh can you um cut out that part to that part and then that part to that part oh, they're, yeah. they're the scenes of their podcast yeah, they get them yeah, out like that yeah. he Omar had it edited the same day, day. Yes, you know they're doing incredible mashallah <coughs> um and a really nice group of guys um and mashallah. i was the f- i was the first woman on the podcast um yeah i did think it was a bit cringe to 
be the first woman on the podcast and then speak about relationships and marriage. But I also recognise that clearly it's a conversation that's not happening enough because the amount of people that message me and like the feedback I had off the back of it was crazy. And generally we sit through Mali as well. Like the conversations need to be highlighted more. So I took one for the team and I did it. Um, and then we spoke about tech. We spoke about Amalia, our aspirations yeah. with Amalia, about purpose um finding your purpose we spoke about whether starting a business is for everyone mm. um so yes yeah, we spoke about quite a few topics um yeah alhamdulillah i'll definitely check it out so guys i'm gonna ask who is it first that's coming up no. this week i went last week oh liar <laughs> <laughs> right selena i'm gonna need your first overrated please so my first overrated is let me tell you a story first yeah yeah, Always context setting. It's story time. There was an 84-year-old woman. And she recently just uh, ended up landing a part in Black Panther. You what? So stick with me. Okay. 84-year-old woman. And she was uh, basically the tribal elder who advises the king of Wakanda, which was played by Ch- Chadwick Boseman. Mm-hmm. On like you know his affairs. I don't know if you remember the woman, but she's that old, old, old. Oh old, yeah, old. yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. She was eighty-four. Yeah. yeah? <sighs> that was the first time that she had had an acting job. This. It was the first time that she actually materialized her dream. What she wanted to be an actress. Yeah. So she like basically oh, um, did an audition, and <sighs> they were like, "We want her." Do you think she was saying, to, you know what, I'm 84 now. There's no point wow. in me trying to be an actress. At 84, yeah, she fulfilled her life's dream. And not in any, like, Sideman no! movie. She came to Black Panther. <laughs> Next to, you know, my man and my man. <laughs> like, wow. Exactly. That is inspirational, so, It's very inspirational. There's actually a few snippets um, out there about her. And what I wanted to say is age is overrated as a deadline, as a benchmark. And even as an achievement, Mm -hmm. like I'm 33 and I messed up a lot of my life before this day. Yeah, just think messed up is the right word. No, I experimented a lot. I lived my colorful life, you know, them ones. (laughs) You know, I have a a backstory that we're not going to share in Amalia ever. But... um, I'm 33 now, you know, and I'm just about starting to realize who I am, the beauty in my in me, and the purpose in my life, which I'm still trying to figure out as well, yeah? And I think sometimes we put so much pressure out of, on ourselves at small, small number age. It's <laughs> a small, small number age. And we put so much pressure on ourselves. Relax. Have, I think it's have balance, isn't have it? Ba- have your yeah. goals, have, but... Have balance, but do not let age be the, like, the guiding factor of your benchmark. Can I ask you a question? Let's say you, 10 years ago, in this other life, yeah? Mm-hmm. So 23? Yeah, if you were discontent with your landmarks, yeah. <clears throat> do you think you could still come from that same place? Not that it's necessarily easier or easy. It is, it's, it's somewhat easier. I'm 33 easier. now and I'm looking back and I can be like, oh, you know what, relax, yeah. take your time. No, because I remember at university, mm. in my first year, I had to, um, I didn't do very good, isn't it? So like, I had to come out of university and go and work in Subway and then go back to London and tell my parents I did shitty. And then one, so I had to pause uni basically, take a year out. Even then, I wasn't like, um, you know, at that time, you're like, 
I'm gonna be a year behind everybody. (laughs) I didn't really feel it. I was Mm. like, you know what? I'm gonna take time this year to make some money. Try, I try and refocus. Perspective, isn't it? Perspective, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know if that's been September born. I was always the oldest, right? Yeah, yeah. You're always the oldest. Yeah. yeah. So I was like, oh well, well, ages has already escaped me. I'm always the oldest anyway. (laughs) So that's not a battle that I'm gonna fight. But I just want to tell people, like, you know what? Relax, babes. I was talking to someone the other day and I just felt like she's putting so much pressure on herself because of her age. Mm. And I I get it in terms of certain conversations, like her biological clock, this, that. Mm. Yes, time is ticking. I'll Mm. be honest with you. But the pressure you're putting yourself on isn't helping. Mm. It's not helping. And there is God's time. Yeah, but, uh, that's the thing. I think a lot of young people, like, let, let, let me just speak on behalf of myself because I'm, I'm someone who suffers from this, like, whoa. And I, mm. you know, we've all had conversations about buying into it and I largely stay out of what we would call the hype, right? Mm. Mm. But I still get sucked in and trapped into this whole age boundary. This needs to be done mm. by this age. And it really, like, hangs over you even mm. if you're not necessarily into it. What can you do from a productive or proactive mindset or standpoint? I think that- number one, stop comparing yourself. Yeah, that is the... That is the biggest thing. Comparison is a killer. Comparison is is a killer. And the thing is, you don't know the whole backstory of somebody. Like somebody, uh, oh, a few months ago, they're like, oh, you know, you've got it sorted. You've got two kids. You're 33. You're running a business, this, that. And I've got a divorce under my belt. (laughs) And I've, you know, I've got a lot of things under my belt. Do you know what I'm saying? People don't know what the backstory to that you're 33 running a business and have two kids. Don't believe the hype, isn't it? Like, I really, like, when you're saying, like, you're talking about, okay, practically, what does that look like? For me, it's a mindset. Mm -hmm. And I think especially, like, the mindset is also grounding yourself in what Allah, like, has told us, you know. And really grounding yourself in the fact that this life has been created by the all-knowing, the all-giving, the all-seeing, the just, you know, like, like, really, like, deeping that fact. Mm -hmm. And I feel like a lot of us, and I, we all fall into this. I fall into this. You come sometimes come to a mode in your life where you're like looking at your life, you're looking at your circumstances, and you really lose sight of the fact that your life, like, like of God, about Qadr mm-hmm. and about fate and the fact that you are where you need to be right now. Yeah. Like, there's no dispute about that. 100%. I had to have all those bad you, I think we, we, we really struggle to deep that. Yeah. Like, you are exactly where you need to be in your life because mm-hmm. Allah has ordained it. Imagine, yeah, if someone said to me, you know what, if you want to be an actress, you have to wait till you're 84, but... You'll be, be the biggest one ever. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway. Selena, can I have your second overrated? Oh, uh, my second one, and this is might be a bit controversial, mm-hmm. but uh, it's what we like at the Nimalias. Um I'm not adding anyone swear down. <laughs> swear down. But I was reflecting on the year mm. in terms of like not just Amalia, but like wider movements, things that have happened on social media and offline, etc. And I think something, and then I realized, wow, I don't actually remember the substance behind this specific thing. Bruh. And so Sarah's face. What? The music. This is the Christmas edition, guys. And I think w- one thing that has been overrated, and I'll I'll point out one exception, is uh, creating a hashtag. Oh. And then that being your legacy. What What I'm saying is, I'm not I'm not saying that a hashtag doesn't make impact. But I'm asking, does a hashtag make impact? There's a couple, I, you know, we can go yeah, through Yeah, you're not talking about... Ones that, yeah, these are really good and this is what... And you should look at those, the ones that actually ha- create real impact online, offline. 
and I hate to stay. Me too. Like yeah. in terms of the me too hashtag, like that was phenomenal. It, it was a pivotal point in our history, but we need to look at the blueprint of it. Yeah. Why was it so impactful? Mm. Why did it actually create change? Yeah. Just because you know how to put a couple of words together and make it rhyme or whatever it is and put some pictures under it doesn't mean that change, you know, you're really affecting change. And it represents the virality of a, the potential vi- virality of a subject, right? So I think maybe the lack of substance comes from the need mm. or the attempt to make everything viral. Mm. But, but don't you think there's an aspect to this of like, don't you think there's an aspect of this of looking at let's call it the life cycle of change of creating change right Mm. and in the era that we're in part of that life cycle for some movements is that virality or is that online conversation or is that hashtag and actually the problem isn't the hashtag and creating the hashtag the problem is feeling complacent with oh the work's done now yeah that's it it's that's the complacent. It, yeah. So it's not the hashtag. It's a, that's it. I've done the hashtag yeah. and that's it. Yeah, it's the complacency. Yeah, and what is beyond that? And I think sometimes the next, you know, and, and I guess it's a reflection of uh, this year. Yeah. And even, you know, with us, like, looking back, you know, have we been part of that as well? Yeah. Sorry, this is going to go somewhere. And I think what it is, next time you're coming to a project or you're planning something or you're looking at what how to make that social impact and that change... Mm. Yes, have the hashtag, but then on a separate note, what what are the outcomes of this project? Yeah, what are the effects of this project? What if the what if the outcome is just to document it because no one is documenting it? Doesn't need a hashtag. Why? What if what if it, it like it I ma- guess blackout Eid? Yeah, is documenting it right? Yeah, and it it does and depend. Celebrating yeah, it. but it, like I said, it depends, and there's been consistency with that. And some of them have worked. And I think it's important for us to look at the ones that have worked, like Blackout Eid, uh, like Me Too. But I think there has recently been this whole, oh, you know, if I just make a hashtag, it's going to go viral. So it's a complacency. It's like, we're not saying don't do it. Yeah, then then there's nothing beyond that. Yeah. Because I I think from from my perspective of like, you know, you're talking about like the virality. Mm. Because I've had these moments of I'm like, am I just fueling into the this problem that you're talking about when you're jumping on the hashtag or retweeting it or whatever it is? But then at the same time, I'm like, but actually it's such a small thing and I could amplify it a tiny bit to like maybe five extra people. Mm. Let me retweet it. But I think it's knowing, I, I guess it's not being complacent in that is, that is, that is all it is to fight the good fight. Mm. Like, you know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think actually taking those online spaces and creating them offline with actually with in terms of Blackout Eid. Yeah. Um, you know, we spoke to Nima Asuka and Io yeah. about creating these spaces, yeah. especially in terms of Yeah, like, they like, went then the next the extra step. work. Yeah, yeah, they went the next step. They created an event. Um, yeah. There was awareness. They spoke about the topic. They spoke about yeah. having exclusively black Muslim spaces yeah. and the importance of them. And that is an example of actually they went their extra mile. It just yeah. just didn't but remain then, static but, online. But then don't you think that, you know, say the person starting the hashtag, right? Say They're say, not responsible. Yeah, no, but say their only intention is to start the hashtag. You can't then also say they should also then do the practice. Then they have to, like, they. you're basically saying they have to do the whole life cycle of change. What if actually... No, what I'm saying is if you are 
creating like a campaign or something yeah and a hashtag is part of it and you're trying to create this virality i just think think about it a bit more purposefully the hashtag isn't the end all and the be end of the whole thing yeah but what if it is what if they put all their efforts into doing that and they're saying the the, the end of my project mm. is the hashtag and then it's for someone else to take the button and carry it on but I'm going to put everything I can to making this hashtag go viral. To then I think at the end of 2018, we have a lot of buttons. Yeah, and that's... Basically. I, but I, th- I think even the fact mm-hmm. that you were able to create uh, the start, the life cycle of change and, and even be able to have a button to pass, mm. I think is something... Because I get it. I, I get that, like, sometimes, you know, just having the hashtag... Like, I, honestly, I think about all the people that have gone through police police brutality mm. and all the hashtags that have started off the back of it and to be honest like and 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 I guess that's where I do feel like in in those two spaces of like yes it raised awareness but now what now, now what? who's picked up the baton now what about Sa- Sandra Blaine yeah and I, I guess part of it is I guess what we're trying or what you're trying to say from what I'm understanding is you're essentially you're saying no one's picking up the baton after that as well and then it's i think it creates wider it's starting to create wider apathy yeah or it's starting to make people feel like they're doing something when actually we're not doing anything there was a facebook post that went uh around a few months after her is it do you call it murder like after her death in in police custody hmm and um someone was like what what happened after mm. the hashtag like they wanted to actually understand what were the outcomes where is the case at now mm. what you know how can everybody get involved mm. and then it just you suddenly feel quite empty you're mm-hmm. like oh what did i just and i and i guess you i get this awareness then you've jumped onto the 10th hashtag yeah it's yeah. very like it's a very human thing to do though it's that whole diffusion of responsibility argument because mm. the more responsibility you diffuse yeah, yeah it's less ownership so naturally no one feels that much inclined to do something about it afterwards or take ownership. And there's of a psychology, subject. isn't it? Oh, you think somebody else is is doing mm. it, and I, I, you know what? On reflection, yeah, hashtags do have a purpose, mm. but there is, there are other things that have other purpose as well. And I think it's it's thinking about the topic, the matter in a in a holistic way. Mm. Um, and whilst I agree that you know there's a button now to be passed. I, I guess it's about... Maybe you're just like, you know what? Maybe the hashtag needs an evolution. So I'm going to be honest. I think I'm a bit apathetic. When I see a hashtag mm-hmm. and I'm like, what am I really doing? Mm. Like, oh, that, but, uh, That's the opposite then. You're probably not as apathetic as you think you are. Mm. If it's inciting something in you to, to do more mm. or it's making you cognizant of the fact that it is something that contributes to your apathy, maybe that will kickstart you know your like if we took yeah. away the hashtag instead of me sharing like no more food poverty actually why don't i just go donate some money but it doesn't have to know. be either we'll do or. both yeah yeah um, have your next overrated please i don't know if it's overrated. this is your final one right yeah okay um the self-diagnosis of mental health illnesses um and you know i'm gonna read this sentence now of course all anxiety is not a nice feeling but there are big differences between actual anxiety disorder and feeling anxious. Mm. Yes, that is. And the reason I wanted to bring this up is because sometimes we use the language quite flippantly. Yeah. And the reason why I think self-diagnosis can actually be dangerous is because it doesn't allow you to prescribe to the problem 
correctly. Yeah. And I said in my own ex- example, there was a week where I was feeling, I can't even explain it. Mm. I, I was terribly low and I was like, wow, like I'm dropping. Mm. I'm I'm dipping into, dip- like it came out of nowhere guys, yeah? yeah. And I was like, what was triggered this? And straight away I started thinking, right, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm falling into depression. It must be a manifestation of this. And I started self-diagnosing myself. Mm. Yeah. It was only till like, I happened to have a blood test at, at, appointment got results and a few weeks later ensued that actually i had a severe deficiency of vitamin d yeah and a severe deficiency of vitamin d can manifest in feeling very very especially in this weather as well yeah very low and i was like wow imagine if i just continued for the next five six months yeah just chew chewed on and then i'm not actually fixing the problem i'm fixing a perceived problem yeah yeah and it, all it was that I needed to start upping my vitamin D levels. And I can't explain to you guys, after five days of actually giving my body what it needs, how different I felt. Did they inject you? No, no, I got like, um, oh, mate. you get, I got oh, my friend had it, yeah. And I know that's a really like micro example, but I think sometimes we are moving so quickly to self-diagnose ourselves yeah. with depression, this, that. And like that quote said, you can feel anxious yeah. and you can have a couple of bad days here and there. Yeah. And guess what? You might be someone who's actually suffering from a mental illness. Yeah. Or you just need a little bit of help in yeah. perhaps organization. Mm. Yeah. And without understanding what it really is, mm. you can't really fix it. Yeah. And, you know, it, it's a difficult one because the mental health services in the UK are strained. And this is why people are moving to self-diagnosis. Like, you know, just to get a GP appointment and then you, you know... And then for it to be taken actually seriously. Yeah, if you go to your GP and, like, what they usually do, they'll bring out this form. It's like 10 questions or something. Mm. And they'll ask you questions. One of the questions will be around, you know, do you feel suicidal or have you had these thoughts, etc. And then after that, there's a referral. I know people are waiting a long time. Mm. But I think whilst we're self-diagnosing, I think there needs to be a lot more professional help. Yeah. Um. There's actually a really good article on Amali about counselling. And I think it states about five to six places where you can go for help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. And some of them, um, it cites some uh, Muslim um, organisations and Muslim counts- counsellors and um, uh, services for people of other faiths and walks of life. Yeah. So I just think, man, if you're coming into 2019 and you've been self-diagnosing yourself, go out and get professional help, sis. Like, yeah. you know, it does exist. I know it's long, <laughs> but your mental health is important. Yeah. And wherever you are on that sp- spectrum, whether you just feel like you're anxious every Friday before a certain event or it's just something that is, you know, everything you, you do. Yeah. You need to really understand what it is. Yeah, It's definitely not uncommon to hear if you're surrounded by the older generation, they'll just tell you to chew you on as well because they did it. And I think, yeah. I mean, it's definitely, it's a, it's a good ingredient, but I think the lifestyle's very different. Mm. And, and you know, for that reason, yeah, we have to exactly tackle you have it to you have to yeah. you have to be awake and mindful to the the different lifestyles you're living compared to your grandparents. Mm. Yes, their jobs may have been laborious. That's also a form of therapy. Yeah, a lot of people's really anxiety is, and depression when were exerted I cook, in their labour. Mm. When I cook or when I like do something in the garden, yeah. even it, cleaning, yeah, I'm like, oh, this is this is. It's that because like, it's, it's it's energy it's mindfulness is, as well. It's the mindfulness. It? Yeah. It's the energy. It's the dedication. It's things yeah. like that. It's the you know earning your bread as an actual yeah. physical act. Yeah. And, and a lot of our hands now are being taken yeah, mate. Up we're just phones. sitting on our bums yeah. and looking mm-hmm. at our phones. Of course. Right, overrated. Okay. I've got my three. I have to give the disclaimer that 
before I came into the room to record, I only had one over overrated and one underrated. So they might not be up to par. No, no. Um, my first overrated, I actually briefly mentioned this on Omar's um, podcast, but I didn't delve into it. Um, and when I said it, I was like, oh, this is the podcast. Um, what I think is overrated. I don't know if it happens that much anymore, but I still think it's overrated. Um, is a husband tag that bloggers do on why, YouTube why do you think it's Why do you think it's overrated? So I'm critiquing a wider concept. Mm-hmm. I'm not adding people. I'm not, not saying, oh, this blogger did this and this blogger did that. I think it's what the wider thing feeds into and stands for. I think there's a real fetish around Muslim women who are married. Yeah. Um, I think there's a real, like, we put them on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. We forget about any other achievement. The fact that they're married is, like, number one on the achievement list. Um, on the podcast I said you know like we we treat marriage like it's the sixth pillar of Islam right Mm. we literally do Mm. and that comes with the pressure you were talking about pressures earlier in relation to age and stuff like that it it just feeds into so much and I feel quite uncomfortable with this like insta-worthy Muslim couple aesthetic because I and again, like, I'm not putting the blame on them. I think it's more what it feeds into and, and what that feeds into in terms of for their followers. And a, a lot of the, these followers are young girls and they are young women and they are people who do feel a lot of these pressures. Um, and I just... Yeah. Do you know what though? I keep thinking we're all living on a bigger scale. Um, if it was just us on the same road, there would be Jenny and Harry like in yeah, that but house Jenny and that Harry, everybody loves yeah, Mr but, and Mrs Smith. Yeah, but you wouldn't have a big, that deep insight into Jenny and Harry. Jenny and Harry wouldn't stand outside your door and be looking at your window and hugging each other. No, we've levelled up. But, you know? but the, the idealisation would definitely be there. Yeah, it's, yeah I, I, I don't know if I need to really say anything more. I, I just, my thing is like, for, for me personally, like a marriage is so sacred, right? Mm. And I just, I, I feel very uncomfortable when I, I see it online like do you know and <laughs> again i don't know if i'm just being a prude or whatever but i don't think so. Listen, we, we can sit here and recognize that it's something people have tapped into yeah people are so nosy and people love love yeah. as well like yeah. people love, they love it. romantic yeah. but i i think i think for me it's it's also like if you look at what why why have people tapped into it oh it's it's not to like inform they've done it as you know like feeding into that like archetype of of that online personality with with marriage and there's isn't like, the natural progression. So you're all like online, yeah. Then you bring your mate online. No, and then no, your I don't think it is. I think there is private sphere and public sphere, and I feel like relationships are not content. Mm. You know, someone was saying um, a while ago. I heard at Amalia, <laughs> they said um, I, I came to see her, and I, I don't want to see pictures and information <laughs> about her husband. Yeah, yeah it's I do you mean, know it's it's not. It, I don't have a problem with bloggers or whoever's doing it I, I think it's the it's wider not, yeah. thing around the fetish around it and I think it, fetish is the right word it's yeah. a fetish mm. Who? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so my second one I don't know how to term it um, but I've got a bit of representation fatigue and the reason I had what? it yeah um, the reason why is because I think in the news this week or last week there was the story about um, 
um, money, like notes, not having representation on them in terms of the faces on them. And honestly, I looked at it, I was rolled my eyes. And the reason why mm. is not because I don't think it's important. Yeah. It's just I think we've made seeing a person of colour on anything and everything is the end goal. Mm. And I think it was... I can't remember who it was, but someone retweeted it saying you know, like, this is all well and good, but are we going to talk about the fact that black academics and other minorities get paid 26% less than their white counterparts? Mm -hmm. And I think what the fatigue is, is, like, this outrage of not seeing ourselves, but that outrage not being... It's, it's kind of like your hashtag conversation, right? It's like, yeah, that there's a, there's a place for it, but it's the fact that it's being made the end goal. Yeah. Like, That's I want to know, actually, the people that run the financial budget in the UK, the people that are going to print the money, the people that are the chairman of the money makers, is there representation there? Yeah. Like, are you just putting... Or when is there diversity in how they're allocating that money? Yeah, yeah, ex ex exactly. In the prison system, you know, why is it more people of colour going into the prison system? Yeah. Like, you like, know, you know like, and, and, and I get it. I get that. I, personally, I feel like the reason why I've sometimes defaulted to seeing yourself being like the be all and end all is because it's sometimes quite difficult to engage with those conversations, the, yeah. the other ones that we're talking about, where we're talking about structural issues. Because I'm like, oh, I don't know the facts and I don't know the numbers and I don't know the stats and I don't know how to engage with it. And I don't, and I think that's where people like the brown hijabi, Sohema Manzul Khan, does that really well. She makes these conversations accessible and mm. she makes you have that, like, oh, that's what it's about. Malia as well. Yeah, Malia Boatia as well. Like, you know, when Sahoma talks about Islamophobia, she talks about it as a structural issue. She talks about we have to understand that Islamophobia can come from the government. Mm -hmm. And she makes those conversations accessible. And for her, it's not just about seeing faces of Muslims everywhere. That's part of it. Again, it's the part of the life cycle of change. But I feel like 2018 has been around, oh, just as long as we see a photo of someone, it's all fixed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I it's guess the same hashtag situation. Yeah, it's... It's 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 difficult in it because it's the first wave. Yeah, you're, this is you're, the first yeah. part of the cycle, and then next, you know, hopefully yeah. there'll be the second part yeah. of the cycle. I get but maybe I think I'm what just we're being trying impatient. to say is we've done now. Yeah, maybe I'm being impatient. Yeah. Maybe I'm saying no. Actually, I want the chairman of head of finance in every place to be a person of color. You know, like and guess maybe I'm being impatient, but. Yeah, I, I just think being having honesty with ourselves of because of, sometimes to be honest, it's 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 felt quite ego led mm -hmm. because again, like leaning on some of the stuff Sahema said, she was like, you know, are we really mad at like she, she, what she was saying is, is it that we're mad at the oppression or are we just mad that we're not the oppressors? Like, are we really mad at Donald Trump or are we just mad that Donald Trump is a white man with blonde hair and Donald Trump isn't a brown woman? right like are we are we trying to fight the good fight just a genuine outrage yeah like are we trying to fight the good fight just because we want the power instead of them yeah. or do we genuinely want equality yeah. if we were the head of a lot of these fashion brands would we still have sweatshops mm. because you know we would we be making ethical decisions yeah exactly yeah. exactly you know so yeah that's my little two cents fantastic my third one kind of comes off the back of my second one um Oh, I don't know how to say it. Just say it. <laughs> um, say it with your chest. Overrated is feeling compelled to celebrate mediocrity just because it's another person of colour. Oh. Is that off the back of the conversation? Yes, yeah, the lunchtime. Mm -hmm. So I, I feel like, and this is again like, 
a lot of people to celebrate, you know. Yeah, no, no. Do you, do you know what it is? I just... Do you think it's being okay with a mediocrity as the bar? Yeah. It's right. like... There's nothing wrong with mediocrity. It's, 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 again, it's like I feel like the, the bar is getting a seat at the table. But yeah. we don't care what table, where, how, whether we, what, the, terms what the chair looks like, no, nothing, you know, it's just get a seat at the table. And I get it, I get it, I get it. Again, life cycle of change, right? Just just get to the table. It doesn't mean, matter if you've like made your own chair to sit at the table, yeah. right? Just get at the table. But I... <sighs> Do you think what's happening, and I could be totally wrong, and I'm still trying to unpick what you're saying, is we celebrate um, a mediocre white man doing nothing Mm. yeah Mm. so now our benchmark is starting i'm sandra and i'm just the professional your small business was looking for but you didn't hire me because you didn't use linkedin jobs linkedin has professionals you can't find anywhere else including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role like me in a given month over 70 percent of linkedin users don't visit other leading job sites So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. To emulate that same Yeah, sort so of I, I had this thinking as well. I, I thought maybe... Just existing. Yeah, and that's why my, my conflict was like, actually, maybe... Maybe the fact that we're celebrating mediocrity and the fact that you can just have a seat at the table, whatever, or whatever we're celebrating, that in itself is something to be proud of. Mm. The fact that we don't have to, as people of colour, exist exceptionally and we can exist however, right? Mm-hmm. And there's I definitely... Mean, my however is still exceptional. <laughs> and there's a, there's an aspect of that. But I guess for me, I'm, I also think about our grounding in Islam and we should also be people of excellence. Yeah. And we were talking a bit about this yesterday at lunch where I was saying, I guess it's 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 fine, but just making sure that's not the default and we're just not cruising just in the name of saying we're, we're doing something. And we have this conversation actually quite early in the year yeah. where we were saying the aspiration seems to be being able to get, you know, before the aspiration was to get BSE, MBA yeah. at the end of your title. Now, before your title was to get first. First hijabi, yeah. first Muslim. And and then it started getting a bit ridiculous. <laughs> and I'm like, what? First what? Yeah. First two? Yeah. And that seemed to be... and Like, the claps were loud. Yeah. And then suddenly they just started fading because yeah. we were like, are we just being celebrated to exist? Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing, I, I guess, it, it's that phase, right? It's like, yeah, we should be celebrated to exist. We shouldn't have to be exceptional. We should have to do that, all these things. Because it's taken us a lot to get yeah. here. It's and I, I, again, I, I guess maybe I'm just being impatient. And maybe I'm I think you should repeat what Fahim said as well. What? I thought that, that yeah. Really so him. so for, we're talking to Fahim. Shout out Fahim Patel. Find him on Twitter at Fahim Patel. Um, he <laughs> maybe on Instagram Fahim Patel too. I think his website's Fahim Patel. You will not like that. Or Fahim Patel.co.uk. Google his name. You'll see him as well. Um, so Fahim Patel said that he said I think we've also lost the ability to honour. 
and master things and what he meant is like yeah you can do anything yeah you can publish a book but should you mm-hmm. like should you be doing that is it going to be of value and of substance and he was talking about i think he was talking about imam ghazali or someone mm-hmm. he was saying how you know he spent 15 years trying to master geometry even though that's not even his craft but he recognized that mastering geometry would also help him in other ways in terms of his thinking and stuff like that and it made me think of taekwondo where you know you're you can't just go to a black belt from nothing from you can't go from white belt to black belt you have to consistently move because it's honoring you have to explain the oh so yeah so you you have like quite a few belts between white belt and black belt so you go from beginner to black belt um and you have to do all these different exams for each exam and then even at black belt there's nine levels and they're called dan's so you get your first dan your second dan your third dan between your first and second dan is you have to wait two years between your second dan and third dan you have to wait three years between your third dan and so on and so even in that you know and their the taekwondo tradition is very steeped in like discipline and consistency and you you know that sort of thinking and I, f- I feel like, you know, they, they honor the craft and they honor the fact that for you to step into a ring and say, I'm a black belt six Dan, you're not doing that next year. You're not doing, that. there's no fast track. But what's the incentive in mastering a craft? Because I feel like a lot of people don't see what that, be- what that means for mm. them. What that it's being of them. substance. But then, so a lot of people think, well, I'm of substance because I'm contributing some kind of mediocrity. Yeah, but that's that's the thing. It's, it's, it's thinking about what, what does substance look like? And right. I'm not saying everyone needs to spend 15 years before they do anything, you know. But it's, it's not about waiting 15 years and then. It's about at least, like, continually developing on Engaging it. Engaging in the yeah. craft. Because I think one thing that he said yesterday was that because we have so much and we yeah. have so much mediocrity, the gems are being hidden. Yeah. What you had was everybody striving. People yeah. would be like, I want to be like Elizabeth yeah. Zelli. Like-, like right now that I, I feel like what travels really fast and far is hype. Yeah. Right. And we I, I see it on, on social media all the time, like people getting celebrated for winning an award when they haven't actually done anything, you know, or they've made a list or things like that. And yeah. it's, it's the fact that people have tapped into this idea of like actually hype will take me far right mm-hmm. just just saying the same sentence and doing the same things and filling in the awards application will take me far yeah. right and that that's a problem mm-hmm. the problem is that we facilitate mediocrity being able to travel very far mm-hmm. okay so these are well quick guys okay. they're like literally reminders we've just lost a bar on the battery okay the first <laughs> underrated they're literally one sentences yeah. is first underrated is how close ramadan is mate wow. i am giving you this reminder because it is here in a couple of months it wow. is not a joke we are in winter you need to make up them period <laughs> fast on all of them Bruv, once we hit january we've got like week. four and a half months four left. and a half months uh, ramadan is coming it's coming do you know what? It's this is coming. Thing. You're gonna keep saying it's coming, and I'm only gonna deep it a week before yeah. and be like, it's coming. And I just need to let you know, it's underrated. Yeah, it's underrated how quick it's gonna come. It's true. And our pre- preparation. How yeah? much? How much? We need to prepare from now. Yeah, I'm not even no. joking yet. I don't mean to give you a sense of urgency, but no, she does. I don't know when you're you're listening to this podcast. But you need to wake up and fast tomorrow. It's and true. I'm doing this to help you. Yeah. It's Inshallah, true. make the work for me, please. Um. But Ramadan is round the corner. I'm telling myself, I'm actually shouting at myself because I've got a lot of faster makeup, guys. (laughs) Even if you just start reading Quran little, little, little. It's not about trying to cram it in when you haven't touched it. We all got phones, yeah. Get that phone app. I'm I'm feeling urgent in my voice and nervous already. 
Um, the next one, which I think slots in quite nicely with this one, um, is actually an Amali article by Hiba Khan. I love Hiba's writing. If you do Rashallah. not know about Hiba Khan, just go to Google. She's fantastic. Google Hiba Khan Amalia. And her words are beautiful. Subhanallah. You know, mashallah. There are some sisters that writing is, they're just amazing. And she really is a very, very talented sister. We've just published an article of hers and it's about Quran journaling. And she interviews someone called Fisika. So have a look at the article. I really want to say, it looks amazing. It looks in amazing. The I want to start it. So basically, quite put quite simply, Quran journaling is exactly what it sounds like. Committing to regular studying, analyzing and reflecting on God's blessed verses and putting it down on paper somehow. Um, so Fakiha, she does this Quran journaling. If you look at her page, she's got some beautiful um, typography and... I think it really helps you build that connection. So like I actually went out and bought colouring pens yesterday and I'm going to get my notebook out and I'm actually going to sit and just take my time. And she said she spends about 45 minutes and no longer. She sits, reads the Quran, you know, does a little research, looks at a keyword, practices the Arabic, highlights a specific sentence, etc. And I think it, it excites you because sometimes the way we engage mm. with the Quran makes it boring and then we, we just rem- remember like being at madras yeah we move like we're we're the madrasa head teacher and the madrasa <laughs> student so true and we bore ourselves and then we wonder why we don't have the commitment yeah, yeah it's true. and quran journaling is a way to revive your relationship with the quran and if you're struggling in terms of just dean and everything i think this is a really good one so have a look at the article <laughs> the next underrated this is your final one? Yeah. What? Wow. So last week, actually, um, I one of my underwriters was asking for help. This week, I want to, I guess, move on from that and and get you thinking about understanding what that help looks like. Um, so why are you all laughing? Because <laughs> you're fully winging it. <laughs> but I'm no, here but for honestly, it. Honestly, like this week, yeah, I was mad ill, guys. My parents have gone to India. The, for those who don't know, my mum, she helps me out a lot with the kids. Um, Shout out, Mamtaz. Mamtaz, big up. We She's never going to listen to this podcast. She's not. I hope she doesn't because it would be embarrassing. Right? Well, you did what when you were young? <laughs> um, but anyway, shout out to her. It, it's actually meant that I haven't been able to come in to Amalia HQ and work, although I work at home, which is fine. Um, and then, to make matters worse, two days after my mum's gone, bang, vomiting, <laughs> sickness. I don't want to mention the other symptoms, <laughs> but we were hit by norovirus, me and my two children. And norovirus is them ones you can't even ask people to come into your house to help no, because you, you don't can't. want to give it to them. So three of us are struggling in our home. My little poor daughter, you know, she she'd drink a sip of water and she'd she'd heave a liter. Like I just did not want to know what's happening. But it was a point of desperation and the you know it kept ringing in my head like you need to ask for help but i didn't know what to ask for mm. i actually didn't understand in that situation where i'm like well no one can come and help me clean no one can help me actually physically in my house that's underrated no what to, yeah to ask and i help. literally the first day i sat there i'm like i don't even know how because people were offering left right and center my yeah. friends were like you know i'm here to help you and usually it's like oh, i'll have the kids for a bit no one wants to take the kids <laughs> i'm not giving the kids to no one either but how, what does help look like? And I really, really had to kind of just sit down and be like, what will help us right now? 
one of my friends, she's like, shall I go to Asda and do a shop for you? She went to Asda and I, I gave her a list of things to buy. She ended up buying like a couple of essentials for me and kids dropped it at the door, left us. You know what I mean? My kids had it. The next day I, I messaged my friend because I couldn't, I couldn't cook physically and yeah. my son was hungry, isn't it? To the point where he's bringing me food and he's like, mama, can you make it for me? Oh. But I'm so physically drained. It's I've never ordered like a delivery. I've had to it. download the app and and do this technology thing and order a takeaway for my for me and the kids, and then I've just texted one of my friends. She lives down the road, and we're like, "Babes, my kids really like your chicken and sweet corn soup. Can you make her some?" And I felt bad. Yeah. I deleted. I wrote the text. I deleted it, and I'm like, "How can I ask someone to make go out of her way and make me?" a pot of soup and then I just messaged her and said I'm really sorry to bother you I understand if it's too much but can you just make us a pot of soup that same but evening you, you know what my husband comes yeah. to my house and he gives me the pot of soup oh. but you know it reminds me of that um, thing you, the that story, story told yeah. yeah I'll try again guys did you know I asked Samra for soup yeah, yeah yeah it reminds me of the story like Big and up it to reminds Samra, me of your how soup is amazing <laughs> and she ended up putting ginger in it to help us like yeah. feel better. it reminds me of like back in the day where like it's so tribal and collective like asking your next door neighbor for soup would be nothing yeah. like we were hearing a story was it during oh, the harvest time that story <laughs> i believe it was during the time of the Sahaba, mm-hmm. right? And they're basically what they would do is, if they knew a woman was pregnant, the next door neighbor would make meat broth, meat soup, and send some over because there was such an awareness of like this woman is like making a child, and we need to all help her. We need to make sure like she's strong and she's healthy, and without any question, they would just send some soup over. And also, further than that it would be okay for someone to come around and say, oh, we can smell, you're cooking something, can we have some? Yeah. You know, I would never go around to my neighbour and be like, can I have some of whatever's in your kitchen? Listen, when you've got norovirus, you do anything. <laughs> <laughs> but the, what I'm saying is, is that should be a norm, isn't it? Of you being able to be like, oh, babes, like, can you help me out? And actually practically help, not just like come over and listen to me, you know, like mm. practically help and just look out for neighbours and that. So I think it just, it, for me, it's it's we know we need to ask for help but you also need to understand what what does that help look like for you you know minus norovirus for me what does help look like actually it's like one of my friends i always tell her you know leave your kids at my house sarah if you know you see sarah you know this i always say to her oh leave your kids at my house and you go and you leave and do your own thing that's not help she needs yeah for her, actually, she enjoys coming to my house, us having a little one-on-one, yeah. you know, talking about our dreams, our challenges, yeah. whatever it is, and sitting there knowing that her kids are cool. Yeah, We're trying to... Sometimes you offer the you help to people that they you, don't yeah. need, number mm-hmm. one. And number two, because you're not asking for the help that you specifically need, you're not getting help that you need. It's like, it reminds me of when people come and ask for business advice. Mm-hmm. And for me, like, in order for you to get good advice, you need to ask you need to know what you need help with. Exactly. Like Ask sometimes right people questions. will like offload their idea yeah. and I'm like, okay, what do you want me to do? And they, they're expecting me to find what it is that they need help. Mm. I can't I can't tell you what you need help on. Mm. You need to, like there's an art in asking for advice. Yeah. And, and I navigated. Do you want to say that um, exercise you did with your friends? What? And like, what does being a friend look oh, like? Oh yeah, um, a couple of um, weeks ago we did, so I, I've got Mami Halakami and a couple of good friends, you know, my best friends. And then... Um, we did a halakon friendship and what the what friendship was at the time of the prophet so little things like you know giving gifts um nice words whatever it is 
And then I was like, you know what? This is this is just going to stay a nice halakha and we're going to walk away. So I actually said to everyone, right, we're going to go around and everybody's going to tell each other what they need and what they want from one another hmm. and I, I told them I said you know like I'm a single mom weekends so this is one of my ask weekends it's me and the kids yeah. you know alhamdulillah like Nafisa that my family come around and you know I have family but if you are ever doing anything like holler at me and the kids because we're available we're around yeah. and you know you have to be quite honest about it like to be yeah. like oh you know some weekends me and the kids are a little lonely yeah. reach out to us but if you don't ask you won't get yeah. and not only that you'll be like right no one helps me yeah but have yeah, you yeah, asked it's so easy to fall into that place have you so asked so easy. easy yeah you think oh no one helps me unfortunately or fortunately we live in a world where you have to be quite explicit and i think you know we did this last week when you ask other people feel comfortable to ask as well yeah naf can i have your first underrated please uh let me just think about my order okay my first underrated mm. my first underrated yeah. is um knowing allah's names i think about that all the time you know what i saw this hamza yusuf it was a uh zaytuna college yeah. series it was really unique it was the first one i've seen that really like unpacks his names i think newman anikhan did something like this as well but it was getting people to answer what their favorite name of allah was oh. and yeah I, was like, no, I say it's underrated because I, I don't really feel like i've ever really like honored them and like really been like right i need to know them and really understand them and I, I say it because um, I was just reflecting, you know, into 2018 and that. Um, and I was thinking, like, what has got me through being able to run a business, alhamdulillah, is Allah. And mm. more no, more specifically is uh, some of Allah's names. And it's not that I knew them, but I, I, I guess I... I guess you know some qualities. You might not know the name, but you know he's you know all-knowing and th- things the like that, right? Gifts, yeah. yeah. And I I just think if you really, really reflect on Allah's names and for for anything you're going through, there is a name for you to lean on and there is a name for you to call out to. And, you know, they, they, they say like even in, in the etiquette of asking, yeah, du'a. asking and du'as, like you should use Allah's names and the name that is appropriate. For appropriate. And like one I wanted to share is um, Al-Razak, which is uh, the one who creates all means of nourishment and subsistence the one who is the giver of all things beneficial, both physical and spiritual. And I think we we talked about this in the last podcast about scarcity mentality and things like that. And we spoke about not really deeping, like Allah is like the all-giving and, and he is al-Razak. And, and the all-knowing. Yeah, you know, and, and even that whole, when you were talking about being pressured by age, um, being able to be like you know Allah is the all knowing one of his names is uh, the opener so yeah. you can be like Allah you are the opener of doors please open a path for me to yeah. whatever yeah. it is and I, I, I think um, again I think we should do it as part of Quran journaling club at Amalia maybe um, because I, I just think you know, and it's, it's like they've literally been given to us mm. as a gift and these are only the ones we know you know mm. people say that there are loads that we, we don't even it's know um, and it is I, I I want to try and make the intention, inshallah, and maybe we could do a series. We I know we've got a couple on Amalia, but maybe if anyone does have good knowledge of this or was would even like to embark on getting the knowledge and then sharing it on Amalia as an article series, even if it's just three names, um, do get in touch because I I I just think they it's so beautiful, but the fact that there is literally a name for 
every point of your life. Um, Can I get your second one, please? My next two are a bit more abstract. Um, One's Muslamic, one's not. Which one do you want? Muslamic. I mean, I'm Islamic. All right, the second one is underrated is the effects of social media on your prayer. So I I I was at a class um and they weren't talking about social media in, in particular, but they were just talking about distraction and having kushul in your prayers. So like real like mindfulness and having that relationship with Allah in your prayer and really being aware that like I'm here to essentially communicate, right? It it got me thinking because I was thinking about because one of the things he said was if you're if the conversations that you're having and both internally within yourself and externally with others is one based on idleness and just like chit chat and not really substanceless, then how can you then expect to sit on your prayer mat and have like a meaningful conversation with Allah? Mm. And it, it also, also he was like, you know, if you're filling your days and all the times around Salah with distractions and these short, small things, mm. and how can you then sit on your prayer mat? Or how can you then sit on your prayer mat and expect and be like, oh, I don't have that connection? Yeah, exactly. If you're, it, and he was saying that actually, khushu and mindfulness isn't. It's when it comes to prayer, isn't something you just switch on. It is something that is it is nurtured throughout your day, developed. Yeah, and that really hit me in terms of like, because then I thought like when I think about Instagram in particular, right? Just like tapping through or scrolling through, you're not giving more than maybe three seconds to each thing you're it's looking that. at. Yeah, you're literally just glancing through, glancing through, glancing through. And it is like, just like, fl- it's flickering, mm-hmm. right? So then when you're in your prayer and you're flickering and you're like switching in and out and you're thinking about this other thing in the middle of Fatiha and all these different things and you're forgetting what what you're on, you're forgetting what Rakai you're on and things like that. Like, it's no coincidence right and it it made me think of our last podcast where we a lot of what we're talking about was this disconnect of like the things that we do have a knock-on effect to our spiritual selves and our souls right Mm. um and it just made me think of my own use of social media and like you know i i know when i'm on social media too much when i start thinking in tweets when i start Mm. thinking i i need to tweet this or like that thought needs to be translated in a tweet Mm. And I realized that, like, rah, like, yeah, that need to have to convert it into into something else is, like, a problem. Or, like, when you're just, like, idly picking up your phone and things like that. And that's when I know I just need to log out for a bit. But it just, it really made me... Obviously, we all know that there's some correlation there and something's happening there and something's happening to our souls. But to really hit it home of like kushu is something that is affected by everything. And if you're not having mindful, even even like, you know, like taking your phone to the toilet, bruv. Like you can't even have mindfulness when you're doing a poo. <laughs> that is not a snippet. That's disgusting. <laughs> no, but think about it. You, like our brains are so busy and we are Do so used to... mindfulness when you're doing a poo? No, but sorry, it's not about having mindfulness about when doing a poo, but it's the fact that even the most mundane of things, you feel the need to fill it with entertainment. You feel like you need to be entertained even when you're doing a poo. That's a problem. I agree. That's like and I feel like there's a pun in there. <laughs> so often we blame our lack of Arabic 
our lack of understanding of Arabic, or you know, it's the salah, it's this. That's where I don't have the kushu. Yeah, right. All of these mm. other things. Actually, it's all the other things you're doing yeah. in your day. Yeah. yeah. Then you're coming to salah and you're like, I don't have kushu in my salah because <laughs> I don't understand the Arabic of what I'm saying, yeah. which is a thing as well. Yeah. Yeah. But there are a lot of other things as well yeah. that you can control. Because if even like even if you don't understand the Arabic and inshallah make intentions to understand it or at least understand fatiha, you know, as a starter. Even having that like understanding of the fact that you're standing in front of your Lord, mm. regardless of what you're about to say, regardless of the Arabic, regardless of the actions, just being able to really deep and be mindful about the fact that you are about to stand in front of your Lord mm. and carry out a pillar of your faith. Yeah. You know, like mm. it, and I, I don't, I definitely don't always deep that, you know. And it's it's not about saying, oh, if you come on social media, your kushu will be good. But it's just understanding that for your prayer and just generally for you to have mindfulness is not just those 20 minutes of meditating. It is literally every moment in your day. Yeah. It is literally that moment before you go to sleep. How are you feeling that time? Are you just scrolling and, okay, scrolling done, consumed, phone under pillow, gone to bed, mm. you know? Or are you gonna carve out even those five minutes before bed? Right, what I've written on my paper as underrated is not talking about motherhood and body clocks. So basically, I feel like we don't get honest enough about the conflict and how and the decision making process of family planning, the conflict and the difficulty and all those words around family planning in particular, in particular for women who, you know, in the in the past 40 years, things have changed so drastically for women in terms of what we now have access to in terms of the workplace in terms of education in terms of the roles that we're fulfilling um but fundamentally our biology hasn't right our biology still is okay by a certain age your eggs is 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 it's getting peaked. I'm 33. Uh, and I say this because I've had a lot of private conversations with people who feel very conflicted about when to have children. Me. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I say this because I've had a lot of conversations with people who just, just genuinely feel conflicted about when they should have children in terms of balancing everything. And... I don't think there's yeah and I don't think there's a set answer and different things would work for different people but I think there's still quite a I wouldn't say stigma but it's not exactly something that you can bring up in conversation easily right um (laughs) and yeah and I think it's underrated how much pressure there is on women but also the the fact that there's that doesn't feel like that many people talking about it honestly and openly and the fact that also the guilt that comes with saying I don't know when or I don't know if I want to have children or I don't know if I want to wait till I'm a certain stage in my career and all those sorts of things and you know what a madness is like when you actually really really think about that the way it manifests in the the female population versus the male population yeah Yeah. I'm going to be really raw here but men perhaps don't think about it as much and then a woman, she's like, right, I need to get, you know, if she wants to have children, she's like, right, I need to get married, find the guy, settle down, spend some marriage time, then get pregnant. Have Maybe kids. even get the promotion. Yeah, whatever I it want is. my maternity package. And the thing is, the urgency is on her part. Yeah. A man's just going to be like, I'll just go for a younger woman. No? 
is it is it that i'm being really like no i I remember someone saying to me like the reality is as women get older the number of people that they can choose from get smaller because there's a stigma of like having to marry someone that's older than you in terms of the man but then as a man gets older if anything his net is like getting listen this is what i mean in terms of the whole age thing like these are things that even if you have like a positive mentality yeah you absolutely cannot escape these realities and they are so depressing to some people but it's but i don't think it's about escaping the reality i think it's about the perspective and again it's that perspective of marriage is not the sixth pillar of islam i know but like, what if I you get, really yeah, want it and then I you know, want I, kids i get it but, but you also, also really want the career but you have this <laughs> you have this like marriage is not a right for every I, I know i'm coming from a place where i've been married i have children now and it's hard yeah it's i know that it's not my right to get married again yeah Obviously, I can choose if I want to yeah. get married and all of that. It's not an entitlement. It's not an yeah. entitlement. Not it might not be decreed for me. I may not have been put on this earth to be a married woman. Hmm. Yeah, I was married, temp- you know, briefly. But uh, I've also, you know, reconciled that. That's it. I, and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, but you've tried it. You've been there. Yeah. yeah, I have. It wasn't. But it doesn't mean that I'm not allowed to be married again. <laughs> and that is out of my grasp. But I always have to remember that I was put on this earth for to do a myriad of different things yeah to do so much stuff my 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 goal was not to be married and that's yeah. it it is a very very real part of being human though the, the achievement discussion aside mm. the actual physical yearning, desire yearning to be uh, to not be like but do you know what i feel like the balance of this conversation is is we try and console women so much and i do it as well like oh but you know it's not in our, your color or whatever but and no, it's not the end goal. But actually, I feel like we also need to honour the fact that for some women, it is a goal. Yeah. It is an achievement. It is the end goal. It is why they want to be here. They do want to be a homemaker. They do want to be a mother and they want to be all these things. Yeah. And we also need to honour that. Yeah. And I feel like we try and take it really far to the other end of the spectrum of being like, marriage is an achievement. It's not an accomplishment. To me, mm. it's not an achievement. Mm. It's not an accomplishment. Mm. But I, I don't think we honour enough that for some women it is and that is okay and yeah. I, th- I think we go as far as to vilify women and, and bring out the feminist card on them and be like your role in this earth is not to be someone's wife and da 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 what if they see it like that yeah. there's nothing there's I and mean, it's, a, it's still a divide it's a yeah. part of the like imagine if that, that's how they see their Dean playing it's, and I, I, I think actually like if someone's aspiration is to be married and be at home, we need to honour that. And mm. I, I think we have at times, and I've definitely been part of the problem, skewed it to you're not allowed to say it's an achievement or accomplishment and or things like that. Um Yeah. 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 And yeah. I, I I think my thing is if you are listening to this and you are one of those people who really wants it to happen, make the while for it, but also don't wait to live your life yeah. to you know, I, I feel like a lot of people do get into What is waiting for your life? like don't don't you know when i'll get married i'll do this 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 in terms of like when i'll get married oh i'll do that arabic course with my husband i'll do that whatever it is like don't wait just just move in a way that you are fulfilling your purpose and your life if marriage comes it comes and it's hard because you know like i remember one of my friends she was like my parents are so on to me 
And I'm like, it's not like an exam where I can just revise harder and it'll happen, you know? They're just not understand. And for her, she's like, like, highly qualified, had like a master's, PhD, everything. And she's like, I feel like none of that means anything to my parents because I haven't passed the test of marriage. <laughs> um, oh, thank you so we've, much. We've got a little guest, a tiny person in the house. Do you want to hear, do you want to hear Kalan? Here you go, baby. Uh, his name is Issa. Um, yeah, and I, I was saying that sometimes I feel like um, we go so far on the other end of consoling women, and I'm def- I've definitely been part of that problem where mm. we say that it's all right, marriage isn't achievement. But yeah. I'm saying actually, for some women, if it is, we have yeah. to honour that. If they and you know what people want, you know, there is such thing as a soul partner. There yeah. is something as you know, we were creating pairs, as they say. And the thing is, actually, looking back at me and and having kids. I've got PCOS, and I think a lot of women have it. It's polycystic ovary syndrome. And for me, I knew that having that, then, you know, aging, in all honesty, it was going to be another thing in the mix. And I was like, I didn't want to take that risk. So I was like, well, I'm going to have to That's the thing. I have so many friends that have PCOS, and they're like... But hold on, I've not met anyone. And yeah, I have an urgency, but I don't know where to put that urgency. Yeah. Because like, I, I don't, I really, and frankly, I'm, who am I sleeping with to have the child? Yeah. You know? Um, but oh. yeah, that was my last underrated. Guys, do you want to say goodbye? Oh yeah. Right, guys, that was a lot. Like I said, I'm retiring now. I'm done. I would not like to visit you again on this podcast. It's been enjoyable. Well Thank you for the feedback and listening. Alhamdulillah. Um, I hope everyone has a good break if you're getting one. Um, yeah, inshallah, see you in 2019. See you in 2019, guys. Assalamu alaikum. You're going to speak here, yeah? And Sarah Kala is going to help you to tell you what to say. And then okay. you're going to say it here. To Sarah Kala Are you ready? You, you ready? Okay, come on. Let's go. Listen to... Mama and Auntie and Sarah. Sanko the Harry Hitchens. Maria Sad. Mary.com. Like, subscribe. <laughs> yeah!